Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Hello, welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries. This is Jamie and Jerry. How are you doing, Jerry, today? Doing great. Getting over to a snowstorm, but doing good. We have some snow, um, little little flurries, but nothing yeah. big going on here. But, you know, uh, we have an interesting podcast today, and it's a very curious title, Hidden in Plain Sight. What are we going to be doing today? You know, we call our podcast Breaking Boundaries, and we have three boundary breakers on today. Three guys that, well, we'll call them the triple D's because their names all begin with a D. We have Don, Therese, David, and Dean, but they're, they're three guys that are doing work that uh, for me would have been inconceivable a decade ago, the kind of work that they're doing and the things that they are uncovering. And I don't want to give away too much of what we're going to talk about because I want them to really express what is happening here. So what, let's do this. Let's have them briefly introduce themselves and then we'll find out a little bit about how these three got connected and what they're up to. So Don Treese, take it away. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Both Jamie and Jerry. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, The energy is uh, contagious. Uh, so we definitely uh, enjoy that. So um, I am uh, one of the three D's in this triple threat. Uh, I'm Don Therese Brown. Uh, I, um, I've got, I got a lot of things going on, but primarily I, uh, I'm in higher, h- higher education. Um, I run a career development program at Randolph-Macon College right outside of uh, Richmond, Virginia, in Ashland, Virginia. Uh, I also run a small marketing agency in downtown Richmond uh, called Brown Baylor. Uh, Richmonders may not know us by name, but they'll know us by project as we led the initiative to rename uh, the boulevard to Arthur Ashe Boulevard. Um, I had the opportunity to partner with Dean through my connection with uh, Randolph-Macon. And once we met, we just, I mean, we had coffee one day that could have lasted for hours. Uh, And then we just arbitrarily just put some time on the calendar to meet each other frequently just to see what's going on. So um, I've been in the marketing and creative world for about, uh, for all of my career. And, uh, but that dibbled and dabbed in, in higher education along the way. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I'll pass it over to Dean to do a brief introduction as well. Yeah, thanks, Don Therese. No, it's great, great to be here, uh, Jerry and Jamie. Uh, so my background, I actually have a PhD specifically looking at how different generations interact online. Um, that led me to help create the uh, research firm Feedback, which I know is kind of a potentially another interest to talk about another time, but uh, we apply ethnography in an online space. So think Jane Goodall and the gorillas, but we look at all the behavior that's online and we do that for a number of different industries. But my, my creative background is actually in writing. Uh, and I've got an undergrad degree from Permanent-Macon, like I said, as an alum, uh, as Don Therese said, how we met. Um, in the theater and writing for the stage and playwriting. And so that that writing element is, is parts of what I uh, I bring to the table on the hidden and plain sight side and uh, still continue to do uh, do quite a bit of writing on the side in addition to my research work. So and then the, the third head of our, our Triple D monster is uh, David here. 
Yeah, thanks, Dean. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, David Waltenbaugh, also located in Richmond, Virginia, and I've been working with virtual reality uh, technology for about five years. Um, my original kind of um, interest and passion in the technology was generally in sort of non-entertainment uh, applications of the technology, uh, but specifically in uh, applications in the field of mental health. So using virtual reality as a tool to uh, positively impact mental health. And there's been um, a lot of really amazing research in that uh, capacity over the last 50 or 20 years that I was blown away by and really wanted to, to, to be a part of and contribute to. Um, so that was sort of my, my entree into working with uh, uh, tech um, virtual reality. Um, that was uh, sort of thrown a little bit for a loop by the, the beginning of the pandemic, um, which gave me some, some time to take a step back and explore some other opportunities. And um, the big opportunity that bubbled up, um, uh, you know, was, was uh, primarily uh, due to a lot of the social justice uh, movement that was happening around around the same time, um, which led me to uh, hidden in plain sight and led me to, to be working with the technology in, in the capacity that we're going to talk about today. So Exciting. Jamie, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking each one of them has a separate podcast in them after oh, hearing yeah. these introductions. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I agree. What, what diverse backgrounds. And you come together with such a vast variety of knowledge and skills. So who's going to tell us about this project that you're working on? Hidden in plain sight. What is it? Yeah. So, you know, I'll take the lead on this. And as, okay. as we chatted earlier, um, the, the, this is not a project without um, David and Dean. So, but uh, they, they, they know that I am the, <laughs> the individual that loves to be in front of the cameras and, and loves to um, connect folks through uh, inspiration. Um, and so I, I don't have a problem doing that. So um, ultimately, as, as we, you know, we, we go back and we look at, you know, first of all, how did we all come together? Um, and then uh, what inspired us to do this and what is actually hidden in plain sight um, and what's the purpose of hidden in plain sight in regards to cultural education um, throughout throughout our, our, our country. So and, and then what what is the future look like for that? So as I had mentioned, uh, Dean and I had met probably back in around 2017, 2018. I can't remember exactly when. Uh, when I was hired at uh, Randolph-Macon to run the career development program there. Uh, and the first person they asked me to reach out to was Dean. Um, he was a local uh, entrepreneur. Uh, he's probably one of our, our most esteemed alums. Uh, and so he and I got together and literally sat over coffee. And it was like we knew each other from day one. Uh, we, we could have spent hours there talking over coffee. Um, and then we uh, actually decided to arbitrarily just throw out some dates and just meet periodically throughout uh, the year. And either he would throw a date out and we'd meet or I would throw out a date out and meet. Um, and uh, ultimately that date, the, the last date that we had on our calendar prior to this project or the initiation of this project was right after George Floyd was murdered. Um, and I was sitting in my Brown Baylor office 
Um, and we had scheduled that meeting, I mean, months in advance. Uh, and so when Dean came to the office, you know, the first thing he, he, he said or asked was, how can I help? How are you doing? Um, which was pleasant to hear um, because at that time there was a lot of emotion going on through our society, through our, our culture, uh, specifically from a back, Black American ex experience standpoint. Um, with everything that was going on. So he and I talked about that and he knew that I was involved in a lot of other community efforts. So he was kind of like, so what, you know, what are you going to do? How, how can I help you with, with what's going on? And I recently just come off a program called Leadership Metro Richmond, which is a leadership program here in the city of Richmond that, you know, brings future leaders together, uh, engages them, educates them on everything that's happening within the community in the city of Richmond uh, from a political educational standpoint, from a um, economic development standpoint, educational equality standpoint, all of those things. Um, and my focus within my group in this program was criminal justice reform, which led us to the history of Lumpkins Jail. Now, this is in an area called Shaco Bottom, which is a historic, historic part of our city of Richmond, uh, where this jail is housed. But my Brown Baylor office is a stone's throw from that. But I had no idea where it was. Uh, and so upon the research, I actually figured out where it was. And it was just I mean, I drove by it every day. Uh, I walked by it. There are hundreds and thousands of folks that walk by this site every day, not knowing the historical context of this space. And so when Dean asked about this and what we could do, I was kind of focused on like, how can we do something that is different from what everyone else was doing from a social justice narrative standpoint? Because there were plenty of folks doing amazing work in our society. And I didn't want to just get one, get lost in the shuffle of that but also just reiterating the messages that they're doing and so eloquently and, and so passionately. So one of the things that I thought about was, you know, lifting the voices of the African-American experience in the city of Richmond so that the true narratives are told around these sites that folks walk by every day. Mm -hmm. um, and as Dean was I, and we, as, as he and I were in the office chopping it up, you know, we had just, you know, thought, you know, he was like, oh, I think it's a great idea. I think this, this could work, you know, you know, and, and I knew that, you know, the city of Richmond is missing that narrative, the, the narrative of the Black experience. Uh, all of our narratives have been told by white America, and it's been, it's been crafted in a way to leave out the true pain and suffering. Um, and so I wanted to lift those voices. So as we started to talk about this and, you know, he and I, you know, kind of coined as we were working out hidden in plain sight, you know, oh, these are just hidden in plain sight type of thing, you know. Um, and then he had mentioned that, uh, you know, he had met an individual that he thought would be great to to continue uh, the conversation uh, from a virtual reality standpoint, because he was working on Dent Richmond. Um, and so, Dean, I'll pass it to you just to touch a little bit on on how we engage uh, into leading up to David. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things to keep in mind, too, that was happening around this time, and it wasn't just in Richmond, but it was absolutely happening in Richmond, which was this argument and discussion around monuments, you know, and what monument should stay, go, you know, all of that. And one of the things that really came out of this conversation was the idea of, Let's turn that question on its head and instead ask, what doesn't get monuments? You know, what history, what history often happens, you know, in a it may have been covered over by a parking lot, you know, may have been that 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 you know you pass by every day, but you don't think about. It. And so a lot of where we really started to think was was around this idea of changing perspective as much as we were about 
trying to change minds or comprehensively tell the history of something. It was more of just changing your perspective of how you walk through the city uh, and how you how you think about even where you live and work now. And so that that conversation of what doesn't get monuments and and this also runs up against the idea of and again, this is not to say that that historical markers don't have their place, but often they're not really in a place that is very helpful for anyone to see. I mean, if you're driving, you have to like slow down to read it. You know, in other words, it doesn't necessarily give you that full, you know, uh, information about a, a particular place. And in fact, one of the locations that we looked at uh, were Henry Box Brown, Henry, Henry uh, who mailed himself to freedom. Uh, his historical mark marker is actually at the plantation where he worked and he was a slave at. Well, that's like <laughs> quite a ways away from Richmond. Yeah. No one will ever see that historical marker unless you happen to be going by that. Meanwhile, though, the place where he mailed himself away at was actually the first floor of a very famous hotel at the time in Richmond. It was basically like, you know, there's sometimes there's a, a FedEx inside of a hotel. Right. It was basically the, the version of that of the 1800s, where it was a shipping department in the bottom of a hotel. Hmm. And that's where he mailed himself to freedom. And that right now is actually one of the busiest crosswalks mm -hmm. in Richmond. So people walk by that spot every time without knowing that. And so that 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 sort of that Lumpkin's Jail, number of other sites, it just started making us think about, you know, how can we change people's perspective on their city, show them what it looks like now, show them what it, what it used to look like, invoke that history, invoke that truth, and be able to really get, bring light to a uh, history that doesn't really get told and certainly doesn't get recognized. So with that in mind, you know, I got my narrative writing wheels turning on how this could be, but then it also became a all right, what do we, how do we actually pull this off? Uh, and for that, we needed a wizard. <laughs> um, and I actually happened to already be talking to David about doing a virtual tour for, actually, and Jerry, knowing that we met at Dent, for a little version of Dent we do at Richmond called Dent Blend. And we were talking about doing a virtual tour because of the pandemic. You know, we were going to do a virtual version of this conference I usually do that Don Teresa has spoken at. And uh, David was already thinking about and working with me about, you know, should we do this as a virtual tour of Richmond, things like that. And so I already knew him as this potential, uh, you know, incredible brainiac on the VR side. And so the idea of where Don Teresa and I were going with that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it was like, let's let's bring in David. And I know know that he's got sort of that same heart uh, as we do on, this, on these uh, subject matters too. And so it was really natural to start talking about it. And that's really where hidden in plain sight really started to take off from just a yeah. wouldn't it be cool kind of mm -hmm. concept yeah. into something that could sipping be over really coffee real. right that's <laughs> right that's right to like, or cocktail or cocktail yeah yeah the truth comes out all right uh, <laughs> or two or three but so this is so cool now because now david is jumping in now i'm going to tell us how it's coming to life. Yeah. So uh, as Dean mentioned, he and I had been working on a, a virtual tour for a conference that we were having online. And we had originally started out with an idea that was, you know, admittedly a little bit, a little bit cliche and was just kind of a very general welcome to Richmond tour around some of the, um, the typical, you know, tourist hotspots, the, the Capitol building, the, the river, things that, that Richmonders associate with, with Richmond. But Amongst the, the backdrop of the social justice movement that was happening at that time, and um, really Richmond was, was a groundswell of that activity, 
um, uh, you know, it was, it was happening throughout the nation, but um, so much was happening in Richmond. It gave us it gave us pause to take a take a step back and say, you know, we, we have an opportunity here to 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 do something that's a little bit more intentional uh, and a little bit more impactful. And it gave us the 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 pause to step back and say, well, hey, why don't we use this opportunity um, to to contribute to uh, this this movement and to try to you know elevate some of these stories um, and some of these voices around racial equity and social justice and sp- specifically the Black experience in America and in Richmond. Um, and I, I knew from my experience with virtual reality, that um, it's an incredible, powerful medium um, and is even, you know, uh, is sometimes referred to as the ultimate empathy machine um, because of because of the ability, the sort of innate ability of the technology to transport an individual to a different place, a different time, um, a different perspective and kind of provide uh, a really unique experience to sort of walk in the shoes of an, of another person or, or or see the world from through the eyes of a different person um, in a way that really no technology before it has afforded. So we, um, you know, we had kind of already had the the ball rolling in one direction, but um, that kind of changed the direction and gave us the the impetus to really um, you know try to do something bigger and more impactful. A follow-up question on that. As you're doing the research behind this, we know that most of history has been written from a white man's perspective. How hard is it for you to find the historical information Mm -hmm. that you're looking for? Oh, it's easy. Oh, oh, that, oh, really? oh, Jerry, Jerry, that's easy because it's there. And, and you know, one of the things that that we did specifically is we reached out to our local historians. We reached out to community influencers. We reached out to uh, generational uh, insight from our community to tell us these narratives. And, and, and also there's a lot of organizations within our city that are continuing to tell these stories. Yes. Um, and, and but but what we provided is an opportunity to elevate that experience and that immersiveness um, from a technological standpoint. And one of the things that that we were very keen on as we started to list out our North Stars, one was accessibility to make sure that everyone has access to this. So as you had mentioned earlier, you can go to our website and even without a VR headset, you can experience this. We wanted to make sure that because we know that technology is the great equalizer. If everyone has the same amount of technology, um, then it, it levels the playing field. The second thing that we wanted to do is we didn't want to let technology be the main driver to it. We wanted the content to be that, and then the technology component be a plus one to that. Um, and so the stories are here. I mean, literally, like I was explaining earlier, I walked by Lumpkin's jail. I drove by Lumpkin's jail every day and did not know the historical context of that place until we found the people to tell us that history. So it's there. We just got to find the folks that um, that that can that can uh, continue those narratives. And and one of the things, and lastly, I'll say this because this is extremely important. We are on a fast track as a hidden in plain sight project and team. Because if you think about where we are in this context of narrative telling from a historical standpoint, no matter what historically underrepresented group we're talking about, once those elders pass away, 
Once those elders take those stories with them, then those stories are gone. They are completely erased. So our intent is now like we have a responsibility now from an understanding of those narratives from all historical underrepresented groups to be able to provide this opportunity and this platform for those voices and those narratives to be told before they are passed away and gone forever. Right. Sense of urgency there. But I am so pleased to hear that it's not hard to find this. As a former social studies teacher, I bet our audience is seeing great implications (laughs) for education here. What do you see as implications for education? No, you know, one of the things that we also talked about was we want this in every classroom uh, at every level uh, across the nation. Uh, We partnered early on with some local social studies and history teachers within our public school system. They had their juniors. I think it was juniors and seniors, Dean, I think correctly. Uh, They had their juniors and seniors visit Hidden in Plain Sight, the platform. And then we went to a virtual setting to where we spoke to uh, probably over 1,500, maybe 2,000 students collectively over that time. Uh, maybe a little bit exaggerating there, but it, it was it was a huge number of students and every student was blown away and every teacher uh, and educator was like, holy cow, I need this in my classroom. This is a way in our current society where virtual re- virtual education is a huge um, is it, huge in the educational system. So how do you keep students engaged? How do you meet students where they are and how do you educate them on the true history that are outside the traditional textbooks that we that we've gotten that we've gotten? And so that was it for us from an educational standpoint, knowing that we wanted to be in the classrooms. Okay, yeah, we want this in the classrooms, but can the teachers really use it and will the students be really engaged in it? Well, 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 hell yeah, because it's we've we've proven that. So, you know, now we're working with the Richmond Public School System. We're trying to get those uh, elevated conversations to how can we use this platform of narrative telling of, of cultural education across all historically underrepresented groups and put it into the classroom. Um, we're meeting students where they are. The students are so adaptive to the, the technology that it's easier for them to understand technology than it is for the educators oh, or sure. their parents. <laughs> um, but they were super excited. And, and this is not a, a, a high level, in-depth, um, comprehensive history lesson. This, this is scratching the surface. You didn't know these things are hidden in plain sight. Now we, we've given you a little bit of framework and context for you to go out and explore even more not only with the hidden in plain sight, the project itself, but other areas uh, within your community. I think it's so interesting how, well, it's so imperative how you are amplifying the voices of these primary resources who are hidden in plain sight. You are going doing the job of finding these phenomenal people to share these stories and memorialize these stories. Uh, and I also think it's so important uh, what you said earlier that, um, you know, technology, <clears throat> excuse me, is not the driver here. It is these voices. And so the technologies and that's so, that's so important in any time we um, integrate anything, um, any type of technology into education, the curriculum, the social emotional learning, all of those components need to 
um, have the starring role. And that technology is that supporting role that really, you know, could be that is that hook um, is in, and allows for, as David mentioned, that important empathy. It really takes it off the flat static page and immerses them um, to bring that empathy. Um, I just, and I do um, a lot of workshops for teachers on um, global projects and um, interactive um, activities just like this, or this is more than activity. This is an experience. It's sort of like a, a virtual field trip to Richmond. So not just for those in Richmond, but um, anyone um, can dive into the history this way, uh, literally dive in. And I will be adding this to my collection of uh, experiences for sure. Do you see this going outside of Richmond and bringing to life uh, those, um, you know, the hidden in plain sight from other um, cities? Oh, of course. So we were very intentional uh, and intentional from day one in regards to the way we came together and how we decided to do this. So, you know, really quickly, like when when I sat with Dean and met with him in my office, it was literally the next day or two that I met David. Um, that all three of us were in our office and really started to put this thing together. Um, and then within six months, we went from, you know, ideation or concept to completion of this. Um, luckily and unfortunately, unfortunately and luckily, the silver lining was was that we were in, in COVID uh, 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 restrictions. So we were able to really dive in to get it done within that amount of time. Um, but we had no idea what this would be. We literally did not have any idea what this would be. We knew that there were narratives to be told. We knew that it had the capability to expand to other city, states, regions, nationally, globally. That's why we, we when we started to, to, to frame this, it was hidden in plain sight, colon, Richmond. Gotcha. Because we knew that that locator would change so that it could be hidden in plain sight, Roanoke, hidden in plain sight, Jamestown, hidden in plain sight, Tulsa, hidden in plain sight, Montgomery. So we knew that. Um, and so we still had no idea as we were working on this, like how it was going to come to life until we actually took the tour. We, we, we actually did a scouting trip of the locations that we had identified through a number of uh, historical institutions, local researchers, local historians, that said, you know, we came with a list of about 50 sites that we had identified, like are hidden in plain sight. And then we asked him to kind of help us narrow that down to a list of about 10 to 15, which got us to about 12 within our first site. And then we actually did a walking tour of these sites and capturing and we printed off the archival photos uh, for each of those locations. And then we went there and we started to identify the site and fill the site. Um, that allowed us to do a couple of things. One, from a narrative writing standpoint, it allowed Dean to really start to conceptualize the push and pull of the narrative, the stories that were involved. How do we how do we talk about the pain and suffering, but also talk about the the excitement, uh, the perseverance, the tribulations, the 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 celebrations of those as well, and and, and kind of guide that through. And it also allowed David to visualize from a the, you know, a technology standpoint, you know, how could we capture, how could we actually do this? How could we say, all right, here is where you are now. And this is what it looked like 
a hundred years ago, 60 years ago, whatever. Um, and then we realized looking at the photos that we could actually recreate each of those shots with the exception of a few. So that allowed David to advance his creative ability to say, all right, here's what we can do in regards to that. We can actually reshoot each of these locations from the angle and the perspective of these archival photos and then kind of transition in and out from then and now. Um, and then, you know, along that, it allowed us to really start to identify um, where, what the theme would be. And we realized that the sites that had the most pain and suffering within the 12 sites were parking lots. They were completely erased. The narratives were completely erased. The fixtures, the land was completely erased to parking lots. So as we went through this and we got to our last site, we were like, oh, another parking lot. And then we realized that it was intentionally, you know, done to erase those narratives because those were the ones that had the most pain and suffering. Um, so to wrap that all back to your original question, yes, we are thinking of expanding this. And we we the we initially started from the Black American experience standpoint. Um, but this is a platform for all historically underrepresented groups. So we're using technology to change the future of cultural education for all historically underrepresented groups. So, yes, we want to expand it nationally, globally, but we also want to expand it from the representation of the historically underrepresented groups that voices have been muted, uh, that voices have been unheard and give them a platform to be able to tell those narratives. We really need to get this out there because not only are the people in Richmond sensing a sense of urgency to get these stories, but we all need to get these stories everywhere. And we can put kids in school to work to help yeah, us get these stories. Thinking. We can. Yes, this is important. <laughs> Jamie, something you said earlier that I think is really important, which is what we're doing is we're taking several primary sources and we're correlating them to create a new one because that correlation is what's not happening, right? We, there's all these archival images of some of these, these events or people or places, right? And then there's the stories that, uh, of those people and places. And then there's what do they look like now? And the problem is what they look like now has prevented the perspective of looking back at the, at the, at the resources that are already there. And so when Don Treese talks about you know, things that are a parking lot, a great example is in, in our Hidden in Plain Sight Richmond, Navy Hill. It's a, it was a community that was bustling. It was one of the most progressive of the 60s where they actually had integrated teaching, but it was of a predominantly Black community that had been redlined out of the city. Well, then they wanted to build I-95. So they completely destroyed the community. And they, they warped the, the street grid in order to put I-95 in. So it's not even, doesn't even connect the way it used to in terms of Google Maps even. Um, but one of the things that's, that's the most fascinating about that is there's one of those in every city up and down the East Coast. Because when I-95 got put in, of course, the neighborhoods it's going to affect are the ones that have been redlined out to the outskirts of the cities. I mean, it's so but what's interesting is that those stories don't get shared, not because they don't exist. Right. It's just correlating them. And I think to, to something you were saying, Jerry, I really want to tie in, too, is 
I want any kid in any city to potentially see Richmond or whatever, whatever hidden in plain sight and just have it spark to them of what does my street corner say that I have no idea, you know, like, what does this say about me, about my family, about, you know, the, the, the life of the city and where I may live and work for, you know, for my days. And I think that's, that's that perspective change. It's so important. And we, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is we've got a partnership with discovery education so that all the ones that we do get put up on their platforms, the hidden in plain sight oh, Richmond is fantastic. up there. And part of, I mean, I, my, you know, sort of pet dream is, you know, it, it, yes, tells these stories, but that also just inspires people to go scratching the surface around them. Uh, that's what I, I'm thinking too, that how college students, high school students, middle school students are certainly going to be inspired to um, become the storyteller that you are, Dean, and, you know, be able to, um, you know, interview people. I wonder what so-and-so knows about that, um, to actually go and, and dig in themselves, um, or even David having the, the technology background and, you know, that being a hook. I mean, I can see this being replicated in classrooms so easily, um, because of the, the interest, um, and inquiry that you are bringing about by this as well. And wouldn't that be amazing too? Um, but I love that discovery is highlighting these because that just brings this, um, even closer to the classroom. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And it must be, um, just these moments of, Wow, that you all just kind of take in every time you meet with someone, learn something new. Uh, it's it's really it, it, uh, it, inspiring, yet you know heartbreaking at the same time. You know, I, I think it's 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 difficult. So I just have to ask this question because of the time that we live in. Have you had any negative feedback about the work you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I say the only locally in Richmond, the only negative feedback that we've gotten was um, extended partnerships. So, for instance, we we got this done in six months. We reached out to when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, things don't get done on time because you got so many things going on. So we really limited our reach. We included the folks that we knew that would help us get this done in the urgency that we felt. So a lot of folks felt like, Hey, why didn't you reach out to me for this, that type of deal. So that, that, that's, that, that was that, but moving forward, our, our overall uh, intention is to include everyone's voices. But at the time we didn't want anything to hold us up and we'll own to that. I, I don't, I don't hesitate off of that. I've been in that before. So, so I'm fine with you being upset with me now. Let's come back later when, when uh, we can really put you in the spotlight. The only other thing that I have heard was um, how similar to critical race theory and how it is a perception of wow, um, you're telling these stories that are really heavy to bear. Um, you know, is it, is it 
is it the right stories to be telling right now type of conversation? Um, is there a way to not make it look like white America did all of this and you're the wrong and that type of deal? Um, and so, you know, we always hold steadfast on, we are not pointing our fingers at anybody. We, we want everyone to understand these true narratives. We want an, an, an acknowledgement of, yes, this happened. We're not saying that you or you did this, but these things did happen. Now that there's an understanding of acknowledgement and that pain and suffering, now how can we make sure that this doesn't happen again? So now let's take that information and work and move forward. So from my perspective, that's the only thing that I have gotten, uh, but I'll definitely uh, open it up to, to Dean and David to share any other insights. No, I, I'd say in terms of reaction to the actual product, like when someone actually does it, I, I, think, it, I think I'm completely honest in saying it's been overwhelmingly positive. I think it's been sad at times. I mean, I think for some folks, I mean, I, I love some of the reactions we've been able to, to capture or record also where we've watched somebody put on the VR and, and say out loud, like, this is what my dad was telling me about all those years, <sighs> you know, things like, or, or watching people tear up afterwards, you know, right. of just really like being affected by, like, I had no idea. You know, and I think that's, again, it, it comes down to, you know, it, it, most of it is, is really just understanding that we, as a civilization, we are really good at paving over things. Yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah. A, if we're really good at anything, it is literally or figuratively paving over stuff. Right. And I think part of that is to make, to make your hometown, to make, a, a any and it does it doesn't have to be a historical city richmond's old but it's burned down like seven times like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i mean it, it there's a lot of richmond that doesn't exist like even other parts of virginia does right because of just what it's been through with, with this being burned down so many times the revolutionary and civil war and it just goes to show you that everywhere has their stories to tell and it's it is it is up to us to you know it, it's it's going to be it's up to us to not glaze over that otherwise you can look forward almost too hard and not learn any lessons whatsoever you know and i think that's that's part of this i mean even even something really as simple as lumpkin's jail like and, and we pick on this a little bit in the in the narrative it's called a jail it wasn't a jail it was a holding pen for slaves before they were either sold hung or transported period but we it's called Lumpkin's Jail. And so it ends up, you know, creates a, a context that, oh, this is where slaves that had done something wrong went or something like, no, it's just what they called it. And so part of this is it's, it's about illuminating context, whether that's where you're walking, whether it's maybe something you already knew, but just, it's just shedding light on it. And I think daylight is very hard to argue against. Yeah. Right? So that's yeah. why I'd like us to, to stay in that lane. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll add uh, some personal context around that in, in regards to the, the daylight. So my mother-in-law is white. Uh, she's been an, uh, an educator in uh, elementary school all of her life. She just turned she just turned 80. Uh, of course, she's retired. But uh, over Thanksgiving, I took uh, the hidden in plain sight to uh, Annapolis, where all of my in-laws, we were getting together. Uh, and I have two... Um, college um, uh, nieces uh, that are particularly looking into education. Um, I have a, another a nephew who is very adamant uh, about uh, racial equity. Um, 
and they're all white, of course. And so one of the things that we've noticed when we put folks in the headset, um, whether you're black, white, whatever nationality you are, you, you, you come out a different way. Um, and it's an inspiring way. Uh, local Richmonders come out crying because I remember what my great grandmother told me about these sites. I remember these narratives, this narratives, that type of deal. Um, when I took it to my my family in, in Annapolis, my in laws, they were blown away because. And remember, I've got college nieces, high school senior nephew. I never heard of any of these stories. Now, it is particular to Richmond, but the narrative is consistent across our nation. And we've got young individuals that are getting into the educational system that were educated without understanding these voices, these narratives. And so the inspiring thing that comes out of that is when they come out of the headsets crying, they hug me for empathy. I did not know this is terrible. But then they say, I'm going to do this. This is going to inspire. Now, I'm not going to allow these not to be told, right? And so the exciting thing is, is 99% of the folks that come out of the headsets, 99.9 are folks that are just inspired about, I did not know, what can I do next? And as you and Dean just wrote the narrative so eloquently and so intentionally to at the end of the experience, you sit there looking at the Lee monument that is no longer standing, but you look at it all tagged up. You look at it from a, an expressive voice of the historically underrepresented groups that are voicing, you know, their expression of uh, uh, e equality, um, and then you sit there, and you and it's, you're all quiet, and you're literally looking around, and you can hear the birds chirping, you can hear the tarp over the leaf statue flapping and smacking against it, and then you're wondering as you're looking at the memorials of all those that have died from pr police brutality, what am I going to do now? And it leaves you stepping out of that to actually start to think about how you can do some intentional efforts to lift the voices of those historically underrepresented groups and how you have the opportunity to do something just as we did. We had no idea where this would be. And I love telling the story, like, it's amazing what you accomplish. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you submit yourself to something that's bigger than you. And that's what we've done. This is not about me or Dean or David. Uh, it's not about Richmond. It's about our entire country and what we can do. And amazingly, when you look at the skill sets that we all bring in, you know, David's uh, technology skill set and his empathy in terms of mental health uh, and how to use technology to advance that. Dean's particular in terms of research and sourcing, but his writing and his his daring to push and pull you and make you uncomfortable, but then put you back until so you realize I was uncomfortable because of this. And now I'm looking to understand it more. And to, you know, to me from a creative standpoint, but from an experiential standpoint of being a black American here in our country, but also having the audacious confidence that, you know, whatever we do with this project is going to change the world.
And when you combine all of those together, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And so, you know, when folks walk out of that, that's one of the things I love to talk about is we had no idea. We just came together with the purposeful mission of changing our world through telling the narratives of historical underrepresented groups. And we used and leveraged our talents to do that. So if anything that I hope folks take away is that possibility and opportunity to collaborate for folks to do something amazing. Yeah. I wish we were more pop, more, more passionate about this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I did the same thing. I was like, come yes. on, you gotta put, but honestly, I mean, it just, it, people are, um, changed, uh, reflective, and then inspired to uh, make a difference. And so I think you can't ask for anything more than that. And as we move forward, I bet people that are listening want to know what they can do. Are there any action steps that they could take to either support you or move forward or get you to their town? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a great question, uh, Jerry. So thanks for asking that. So there's a number of ways you can help. One is, you know, you looking at, you're, you're looking at the three. <laughs> you're looking at the three that are driving this thing. So, of course, is if there's any insight or expertise or knowledge in terms of, you know, research, education, uh, grant writing, technology, um, uh, fundraising support, um, expansion into other cities, those types of things. We, we could always use volunteers to help for that. Uh, and of course, this is something that it requires funding. I mean, we, we need funds to continue to move this thing along. So, you know, any financial support that can help us continue to tell these narratives throughout our country uh, will be definitely uh, helpful. Um, we're really looking forward to, to we, we know we have a, a model and a platform that can be replicated and scaled, um, but that all costs, that all has a financial cost around it. Um, please feel free to reach out to either of us through the website to discuss those opportunities. We do have a go um, a, a give butter on our website if you just want to go right there and contribute. Um, we can we can definitely use that as well. And then and then lastly, I'll just add just any type of you know for us you know education is is extremely important. So connecting us to the right um, educational leaders within cities and states. Um, also museums, uh, nonprofits that support these types of narratives uh, would be a tremendous asset uh, to help us continue. But, you know, Dean, David, is there any other opportunity that I left out? No, I think that, I think you really covered it. And I would just say that, you know, we're always looking for partners. And one other element too is corporate. You know, there, there's a lot that's, I mean, you think about what a hidden in plain sight could do for onboarding of executives to understand here's the city you're serving and where your employees are coming from. And so we, we do see that as another potential partner, right, with an institutional or, a you know, a, um, a storytelling partner, if you a cultural partner in a city would be, you know, that that could be where some of that funding comes from as a corporate partner that says, you know, this is important for our city and we want to be a part of it. So that's, you know, anybody who can be a connector for those kinds of things is really important for us, too. Well, so the only thing that I'll add, uh, Don Therese mentioned um, so just some information and contacting us on our on our website, but I don't know that we've that we've mentioned what the website is. Um, so you can oh, yeah. you can 
You can get there at hiddeninplainsight.org, and that's S-I-T-E, site. So hiddeninplainsight.org um, has the experience itself, uh, which, which uh, Hidden in Plain Sight Richmond, which you, you can experience. It also has ways that you can um, reach out to us, get in touch with us. And then as Don Trees mentioned, it has the, um, the crowdfunding campaign up on there as well. So. Oh, great. Well, we hope that many people do reach out to your website. And I would love to see educators all over America getting involved, getting our students involved. As Jamie said earlier, there's something for every student here. There's art, there's writing, there, you name it. There's something for every student in this project. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we've thought about that, too, you know, from, a, you know, of course, from a historically underrepresented perspective. Yes, there's tons of conversations to have there. Right. LGBTQ, indigenous, yes. Asian-American, you can name that. But we also talked about arts and culture and, you know, historical tours throughout our city. You, you could do food, you could do music. There's a lot of avenues that we can we can elevate and, 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 and tell those narratives. But, you know, we, we want to make sure, you know, this is a platform for those. Those that the voices that be need to be heard have a platform to do it um, to, to help us change the future of cultural education. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And I think really the VR is what brings it all to life. So, David, that's that's just incredible. That's something that as educators, we think about all the time. We know the content is king. But we also want to bring it to life and make it relevant. And that technology is really being used in a way that can do that. Really, really, really well, because also, you know, VR is tends to be a novelty and people get excited. Teachers get excited about it, but then don't know really how to implement it well. I mean, this is the perfect example of how it's being brought to the better good. So, so kudos to all of you. I can't wait to not only spread this with our podcast, but um, just in work that I do with teachers, I can't wait to, to share yeah. it and highlight it. Yeah. And, and Jamie, I'll, I'll, I'll toot David Torn a little bit too, because as from a technology standpoint, as we started this, we, we did have a sense of an imposter syndrome in the concept in general, because we thought like, there's gotta be someone out there that has done this. Uh, and as we started to roll this out, we realized that, you know, educators were telling us, the community was telling us, you know, corporate were telling us, this is, this is amazing. This hasn't been done that way, but you know, it got to the point to where, you know, we started to get some really, really great feedback from the execution of not only the web-based platform, but also the VR component of it. You know, all the sound design, all the animation, all the transition, all that is David. And, you know, once we we were like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to put this out here and see what it's like. When we saw the first round that David gave to us, Dean and I were freaking blown away. Um, and then once we started getting feedback from, you know, um, technology experts, educational experts that are saying, like, this is so well done, like my mother's best friend was able to jump into here and navigate through it because the interface um, and it was so intuitive. Uh, and that that's, you know, of course, we all bring superpowers to to our team. But that's where David has really, you know, put us in a position like 
this is a sharp piece of work when you look at it in its totality and just imagine that expansion of that. So just wanted to toot David Sorn a little bit because uh, that component, like you say, is is a, is a, a great asset, but it doesn't work if it doesn't work. Right. 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 right, <laughs> so right. Now that, that it works the way that it does is, is super for us. That's yeah. amazing. And, you know, we have we Jerry and I work for um, an ed tech company and there is in our office a VR room for the developers. They kind of unwind and do that. So I'm going to send this their way, too. I'm sure they're going to be. Yes. Really good to Check it out, too. Excellent. That, yeah. All right. Oh, gosh, I am so inspired. And I'm going to go jump in myself into uh, hiddeninplainsight.org and check it out as well. Uh, and then, like I said, we're going to spread this. We are. Look forward to seeing it in other cities as well. And like you said, perhaps globally. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.